Welcome back to 50% Cancer. Last time, we shared four amazing experiences of parents who were diagnosed with thyroid cancer. We heard about how their relationships with their children changed, and we heard advice for other parents. This week, it's the kids' turn. Kids who were diagnosed with thyroid cancer, that is. We've got Amber's story to share today, and I'll also share some helpful advice from the American Society of Clinical Oncology on talking with a child about their cancer. My own experiences of being diagnosed at 12 years old will be shared next week when I honor my mom's first heavenly birthday. First, some background information. Luckily, pediatric thyroid cancer cases are quite rare. The majority of pediatric thyroid cases are actually in teenage girls. The American Thyroid Association shared that thyroid cancer is estimated to be the second most commonly diagnosed cancer in teenage girls. As a whole, fewer than 1 in 100,000 children develop thyroid cancer each year in the United States. While the stat is reassuring, it's still pretty rotten to be told you have thyroid cancer and having to begin a lifelong of thyroid medication and tests while you're just trying to figure out who you are as a person. I know I can definitely speak (laughs) on that a lot, and I'm sure I will next week. But of course, uh, most of us are still children in our parents' eyes, even after big milestones like turning 18 or moving to college. In Amber's case, she was 20 years old when diagnosed. Still really young, but not quite pediatric anymore. Here is Amber's story. Hello, my name is Amber Dias. I am 21 years old, and I was diagnosed with the early stages of follicular thyroid cancer in December of 2020. So I was 20 years old. Talking about my parents' during this. They were extremely helpful. They they live in Austin, Texas, or in the area of Austin, Texas, and I live up by Dallas, Texas, and so it's about a four, four and a half hour drive uh, to see each other one way. So a round trip is about eight hours. So when I first learned that I was going to have to have surgery to remove the left side of my thyroid, my mom and my younger sister drove four and a half hours there and back, just to be with me to talk to the surgeon and figure things out, which was awesome to see. I mean, we grabbed lunch afterward, and then they had to go home. And then a few weeks later, they came back up to where I live and stayed with me for a few days while I went through surgery, and my mom and dad were, and my sister, were all here taking care of me because I had my surgery in Dallas. They were all taking care of me, which was you know, they did not have to do that, um, but they chose to come and help me out. After that surgery, I drove back to Austin, or they drove me <laughs> back to Austin and stayed with them through the holidays. When I got back up to Dallas, I was working at a Top Golf at the time, and right before one of my shifts, I got a call from my surgeon with pathology results, and unfortunately, they did find cancer, which meant that I was going back into surgery in a few weeks um, to remove the remaining part of my thyroid. So with that being said, I had to tell both of my parents over the phone that I had just been diagnosed with cancer, which is not the news they would want to hear from their young daughter. So again, maybe a week later, they dropped everything they were doing. They drove back up to Dallas. I had my surgery and... Then they left me with my boyfriend at the time, and he took care of me for a bit, and they trusted him, which was fine. You know, it was a good time. But when you have parents that just drop everything to come see you and come take care of you, that means the entire world. I would never, 
ever trade them for anything in this world. My advice to parents, if their child gets diagnosed with thyroid cancer, is to just love on them a little harder. Go the extra mile to take care of them. Because even at 21, you know, my parents came and supported me through the entire thing. They've always been my advocates. They've always been there for me. And I just think every parent should do that. What comes along with thyroid cancer is, you know, bad hormone days and you just feel off and can't get out of bed sometimes and that's completely normal. Parents should know to normalize that and understand when those things are happening. It's it's hard to understand, it's hard to see your child go through that, but it it's the new reality when something like this happens. Um, so love on your kids and love on your friends and family because you never know when life is going to take a turn like that. Um, yeah, this is Amber Dice once again. And thank you for this opportunity. It's been fun. Thank you so much, Amber. You are so well-spoken for being just a young lady. I say that being only a few years older than you. Oh. <laughs> but I was so happy to hear that your experience with cancer and your parents was such a positive one, which is, I know, how, like how we all hope that it, it will be or can be if it has to be like that. So that was really touching to hear. And you have just such a great family. And that's really lovely. So thank you. I'm really glad that Amber shared some of like the territory of what comes with being a thyroid cancer survivor because I think that if you're just not in that world all the time, it can be really, really hard to know what thyroid cancer looks like or what the symptoms might be or what to expect. And, you know, you don't want to be the parent that is overbearing, but you also don't want to not be there enough. So I think that's really great advice to just love on your kids a little bit more. And I think just being open to learning and, you know, being what they need, whether that is, you know, a hand holder <laughs> still even at 20 or 25 or even 30 or even above, or if it's, you know, someone who takes more of a backseat and is there when, you know, that child's ready to open up and talk to you. So it can definitely, those relationships can look like so many different things, but I think overall it all comes from a place of love and support and a genuine want for your child to be the best that they can be. I don't know why that's making me tear up right now, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> so that was all wonderful. That was really great. And now a little bit more of advice, which is half me kind of speaking out of my butt because obviously I am, I was a child with cancer. So maybe I can almost kind of critique <laughs> um, what they say of talking to children because I want to share, I want to save my experience of being told until next week. So I'll try to do that um, with still talking about this. So let's do that. So the first piece of advice I'd like to share is talking about just like whether or not to tell your child that they have cancer, which sounds kind of, you know, wild at first. But, you know, many parents think that they can protect us by not telling us, you know, about what exactly is wrong. But Cancer.net says that it is important to name your child's medical condition as cancer. You should also further describe it because obviously that kid, whether they are being an active participant in knowing what is going on or not, depending on the age, they will hear what type of cancer they do have. So, you know, calling it by this is what kind of cancer you have. It's called this. Here's how to say it is really important because then the kids 
will know that, hey, this conversation is about me or about my health. They also mentioned that it can help build trust with your child and makes them feel included. Like I just said, like it talking in medical conversations um, and also helps decrease confusion in, in what is already a confusing time. Also, it is able to prevent your child from learning that they have cancer by hearing it from someone else. So obviously, I think, you know, you want to be able to control the narrative on that because I think the way that you tell them frames their whole experience almost. So no pressure. <laughs> but, you know, being able to be open upfront about it right away, I think, will be only be good, even though it's hard. And it's going to be hard because it's not an easy conversation to have. They mentioned that children who don't know about their cancer use their thoughts to try to fill in the knowledge gaps. For example, they might think that them being sick is a punishment for doing something wrong or that they did something bad to make themselves sick. So it can just add a lot of anxiety, stress, and fear that your kid does not need because they're already probably getting enough of it. Most kids will probably know that something is wrong with them. They already aren't feeling good. They know something's up. So let's just tell them and be honest with them. And then I'll direct you guys to this resource because I think it's really nice because it talks about like what to tell your child at each age group and kind of talking about like ages zero to three. They cannot understand what cancer is. And here are the things they're most afraid of. They're most afraid that the medical staff will take them away from their parents and they're afraid of tests that they don't understand. So they need assurance that you're not going to abandon them. And, you know, they're not going to know that, hey, you're having surgery in two weeks. They have no idea what that means. Also making sure to tell them that you know they get to go home sometime, if that is true, or if you know how many days they have to be in the hospital, then tell them, you know, you'll be in the hospital two days and then we'll go home. Then they break it down to ages three to seven. Um, they can understand cancer in really simple terms, but they might look for a specific cause for the cancer, like something that they did. So they need assurance that they did not cause the cancer and the same assurance that you're not going to abandon them. They also probably be afraid of pain. Three to seven makes me think of the age of like band-aids everywhere and like bruises and scratches and just kids being kids and you know they're walking they're mobile they're active so be honest with them that some things might hurt but that you know it might hurt right now but it's to make them better and that you know they're all trying their best and again they said they mentioned that preschool age ch children may fear that they'll end up like staying at the hospital forever so again if they are going to be going home with which with thyroid cancer, most likely they will be, depending on the type, of course, but, you know, letting them know you'll be in the hospital one night and then we'll go home. So then ages 7 to 12, they can understand a more detailed explanation of cancer. I would imagine some more, like, medical speak and being able to talk about maybe, like, cells in your body and things like that. They're less likely to believe that their cancer occurred because they did something wrong, but I would definitely still be watching out for that. Um, they're more likely to understand, you know, taking medicine because they probably have a lot more experience with it at that age. Obviously, they're a kid. They're still going to be afraid of pain. So be honest with them about what pain they might expect. And at this age, they've heard about cancer from other people and media and school. And so... I would just have a really upfront conversation about this is what thyroid cancer looks like. And if you don't know what it looks like, then that's a perfect opportunity for you to learn about what it looks like. For example, a lot of people who don't know thyroid cancer ask me like, oh, did you get chemo? And I'm like, well, no, like that wasn't even like an option for me because it just because that's like way too much for it. It's kind of overkill for my type of thyroid cancer, at least. So I would, you know, learn with your child and so that you they can you can try to paint an accurate portrayal of what thyroid cancer looks like and is. 
And then teenagers, they can understand, you know, a more complex explanation of the cancer and they'll probably have like questions that actually are detailed to ask back. They might be interested in learning more. Uh, or I would also add that they might be interested in not learning anything about it and just want to pretend it's not there. They're most likely to think about the cancer in terms of how it's going to affect their daily life, like going to school, uh, participating in sports and seeing their friends. Again, they will likely hear messages about cancer from many sources. I also want to add in like they might get bullied depending on things. You know, all of a sudden you're showing up with a giant scar on your neck and maybe kids kids suck. So they might make fun of you or something dumb. So ask your kid about what they're afraid of and do your best to address it and discuss it and even discuss it with the health team if you need to. They can also understand the relationship between like their symptoms and cancer and the role of treatment. I'd also add, you know, after diagnosis, making sure they know their symptoms of when, hey, maybe my medication is off or, you know, I'm just not feeling up to it today or whatever. They may want to play more of a role in making decisions about their treatment, which is great. My spoiler I'll give for next week is I also thought that, uh, but I was taking it to the extreme of I didn't think I needed my second surgery, so I spent my whole summer afraid and anxious and looking into how I could, like, sue my parents so that I didn't have to go get surgery. <laughs> so... <laughs> look out for both both sides of that aisle. And then it, they also mentioned in this article that teenagers might have a unique set of concerns about their physical appearance and kind of the need to fit in with others. You don't want to stick out too much. Kind of what I was saying earlier where it's already a confusing time, like being a teenager and growing up and being a tween. And there's so much that is happening with your hormones and then adding on this whole new set of hormone problems can be a lot. So they might worry about like their weight or if they're going to lose their hair or something. So so yeah, just get the facts and be able to share with your child about what's going to happen. They also give some tips for talking with your child. So they say practice what you're going to say before you talk with your child. I think that's good advice, but I almost feel like it's kind of like a, like a proposal, you know, where you have all these things planned, but then when you get down on that knee, you totally forget everything you were going to say. Um, so I always think it's good to practice. I always practice like big conversations like in my head or out loud. So I think that's good advice. I just don't know how well it actually goes. <laughs> um, they mention when you first talk with your child, consider asking somebody else there to be with you. Um, so maybe another family member who can provide support. And I would add like somebody that can maybe provide a different type of support. Maybe in the family, if you're maybe the mom is very authoritative and is kind of I don't know, takes charge of it. And then the dad is more like the caregiver. Um, so maybe the dad will just be there to hug and love and the mom will maybe be the, <laughs> I don't want to say the bad guy, but you know, like the person that breaks the news or do it together. They also mentioned that it could be a doctor or a nurse. So that could also be helpful. I don't know if I would like that, but I'm, sh yeah, because my, well, I'll show you that for next, I'll say that for next week. But yeah, so you could also do it more in the healthcare route. I think this is good to remember. They mentioned a single conversation will not be enough, which I think is a good idea. And they suggest having frequent and brief conversations. I think that's a great idea because you don't want to do one huge conversation. Because I know for me, like as soon as I heard the words cancer, like everything else that they said, I do not remember at all. Maybe that's just like the trauma of it. Um, but I don't remember the rest of it. So I think keeping short conversations so that it's easily digestible, people can work through their emotions, because obviously it's not just the child being emotional, it's also the parents, because they don't, you know, nobody wants to know somebody that has cancer, especially your baby. They talk about sharing your feelings, which I think is great. I think it's important for parents not to just act like 
they're super strong because sometimes that's really great and you need that strong person to rely on when you are the child and you're emotional and scared and worried but also like it's nice to see like when our parents can be human if that makes sense um and when they can be sad or worried and that's okay to be like i don't think that would have made me more worried it would have just made me felt like feel validated in my feelings they describe making sure to understand any like jargon and explain any jargon or cancer terms um talk with your child about what the treatments will be once you know that and what kind of is going to happen each time i definitely think that that would be really nice to say okay you know today we're going to our appointment and we are going to get our blood work done and it's going to hurt a little bit but it'll be over in 30 seconds and then we're going to go and do this ultrasound and it'll probably it'll be boring to be honest and you'll just kind of lay there and you can hang out and then maybe you'll go get lunch and maybe then you'll come back and meet with the doctor and we'll see what she says and that'll be that so yeah just being open and upfront the last piece of advice they give is to seek support for yourself your child and your family I think this is so important and making sure parents aren't just thinking of their child, but also of themselves and like the family unit as a whole. I'm planning on having, so I have a brother, my brother, Michael, and I'm planning on doing a podcast episode with him because I have never talked with him about like the effects of me having thyroid cancer on him. So I think that'll be really interesting. So definitely like seeking support. Because obviously, like, you can't be strong for somebody else if you're having all these internal issues. So they mentioned that sources of support might look like hospital social workers, support groups, individual and family counseling, and religious or spiritual resources. So that was all kind of a lot of information. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at, like, the my recording right now, and we're, at, like, dang near 20 minutes. Uh, and I still want to talk about other stuff, but I probably won't for today. I was going to add in... Uh, sort of some resources for young people who are diagnosed with cancer. So talking again to us peds who are diagnosed by pediatrics, because there's definitely a financial toll, an emotional toll. There's a lot going on. So I think I will maybe make that just a separate podcast or maybe a blog post on thycansurvivors.com. So today we talked about being a child diagnosed with thyroid cancer and child very loosely child used at any age. And we heard from Amber today, who was diagnosed with follicular thyroid cancer at 20 years old. And she was luckily had a really amazing experience with her family and how they supported her during her times of greatest need. And the advice that I want to leave you with from her, again, is just love on them a little harder and make sure that you are just there for them. And that's that's all that matters. You guys, get, if you do those two things, you can get through whatever. So thank you again to Amber. You were a joy to uh, quote-unquote have on. And today is actually International Childhood Cancer Day. It won't be when this is published and you're hearing it, but I, it's kind of special to do this on that day, being uh, a childhood cancer case myself. So next week, we will, uh, it'll probably be emotional. There'll probably be tears It'll be great. We'll get through it together. But next week, we'll talk about my experiences being a pediatric thyroid cancer patient and being diagnosed and how my parents played a role. I'm crying just thinking about it. Um, if you don't know, both of my parents are gone. <laughs> my dad died in 2020 in May, and my mom died last November. So yeah, it's going to be emotional. I hope it'll be good. <laughs> I know it'll be good, but it'll be emotional. I'm not ready to record but I will be by the next episode. Sorry, I was a little bit more like rambly than usual. Let me know if you like that, I guess. But yes, thank you for being here. 
and I will see you next time. Bye.